The Old Testament reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord, and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to bring back the preserve of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves. Because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, and our brother, Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together for all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give my thanks to my God who always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called in, into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel appointed for this Sunday is from John's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen, and I testify that this is the Son of God. 
The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, Jesus replied, and you will see. And so they went and they saw where Jesus was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. At this time, we do have kids' time for those children who are between the ages of three and nine. I think uh, they're waiting at the back. Margie's waiting at the back to, to lead you in that time. So if you like, you can go and spend some time studying the Word with them. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now the serpent was craftier than any other beast of the field and the Lord God that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, the serpent did, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God actually say? Satan posed that question to Eve and to Adam. And in so doing, he raised seeds of doubt in their minds. Did God really say you're not to eat of the tree of good and evil? Really? Just enough of a seed of a doubt. But they weren't quite sure. And then they were able to be able again to rationalize that maybe it would be okay to do something that God had forbidden them to do. My, Michael W. Selmick, executive director of Lutherans for Life, observes, and I quote, It is a serpent's nature to twist and hide. The devil even does it with the word of the Lord. And he succeeds in deceiving, not because of his wealth of wisdom, but rather our lack of listening. Satan spits a mist of expert assertions and popular opinions, whips up the dust of social conditions and emotional circumstances, and makes multitudes believe life issues are complicated, political, and personal. But thanks be to God that Wherever the father of lies raises suspicions, the Son of God puts his pierced foot down with promises that lay the foundation upon which we can stand with confidence. This morning we want to take a look at some of what God has to say to us in his word about the life issue, and specifically life-related issues to the unborn. And we want to do so under the theme, Did God Really Say? Did God really say that human life begins at conception? Well, he most certainly did. In Psalm 139, which we read just a few moments ago, we read, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together 
in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Yes, God fearfully and wonderfully knit us together. Uniquely, each one of us, as we were growing and developing in the womb of our mom. Of Jeremiah the prophet, we read, The word of the Lord came to me, to Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Yes, Jeremiah the prophet was formed in the womb by the Lord himself. In the Old Testament lesson, read by Walt, we hear our Savior speaking. And what did he say of himself? He said, before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. And now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. Yes, Jesus was formed in the womb, in the womb of his mother Mary. And we also recall from Luke chapter 1 that when Elizabeth met Mary, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. John the Baptist leaped for joy because he was in the presence of his Savior, Jesus Christ. God makes it pretty clear in his word just by looking at those few scripture passages that yes, human life begins at conception in the womb. And so it makes, no, it makes sense that science would affirm that as well. I mean, you realize that at the moment of our fertilization, our genetic makeup is complete. The sperm of the father delivers 23 chromosomes and the egg of the mother provides another, three, another 23 chromosomes. And united, we have 46 chromosomes. And, and whether we are male or female is determined right at the moment of our conception, as is our hair and our eye color, our blood type, our height and our build. All of these things are determined when that sperm and egg unite and that egg is fertilized. We have a unique genetic identity. We're distinct from our mom and our dad. Our signature DNA and our fingerprint directs the whole development of our life. From the moment of conception through birth and even until our death. And so during that first month of our life in the womb, our face begins to form our mouth and our lower jaw and throat develop. Blood cells take shape and circulation begins. Our tiny heart tube beats 65 times a minute by the end of the fourth week. And by the end of the first month, we're about a quarter inch long, smaller than a grain of rice. But that's you. And that's me. In month two, our facial features continue to develop, and each year begins to have a little fold of skin at the side of the head. Tiny buds are now beginning to, to uh, grow. Arms and legs are forming. Fingers, toes, and eyes are also forming. The neural tube you know, with the brain, the spinal cord, and other neural tissue of the central nervous system are all being formed. The digestive tract and the sensory organs begin to develop. Bone starts to replace cartilage, and by the end of the second month, we're about one inch 
and weigh about one-thirtieth of an ounce. And it also might be noted that at six weeks, our heart can usually, our heartbeat can usually begin to be detected. It's you and it's me after the second month in our mother's womb. During the third month, our arms and legs and fingers and feet and toes are fully formed. We even open and close our fists and we open and close our mouth. Our fingernails and toenails begin to develop and our external ears are formed. The beginnings of the teeth are forming. Our reproductive organs are also developing. And by the end of the third month, we are fully formed. All of the organs and the extremities are present and will continue to mature in order to become functional. The circulatory and urinary systems are working and the liver produces bile. And at the end of the third month, that's this little guy. We're about four inches long. And we weigh about an ounce. And it's at this time that 91% of all abortions take place. In the fourth month, our heartbeat is usually audible through an instrument called a Doppler. Our fingers and toes are well-defined. Eyelids, eyebrows, eyelashes, nails, and hair are formed. Teeth and bones become denser. We even suck our thumb, yawn, stretch, and make faces. The nervous system is beginning to function. The reproductive organs and genitalia are now fully developed and our doctor can see on an ultrasound if we're going to be a boy or a girl. And by the end of the fourth month, we're about six inches long and weigh about four ounces. Well, I could go on month by month describing the development that you and I experienced in the womb of our mother, but it's really quite clear, both based upon science and upon God's word, that human life begins at conception. Now let's deal with another, did God really say? Did God really say that the sin of abortion is forgivable? Let's be very clear, abortion is sin. It's contrary to the word of God. Experimentation with fertilized eggs is sin. The end does not justify the means. Advocating for abortion is sin. Apathy towards abortion is sin, like turning the blind eye. So is the self-righteous indignation that is often exhibited by those who condemn abortion. It is for these sins and other related sins related to abortion that God became incarnate. It was for these sins and other sins related to abortion that God was conceived in the womb of his mother Mary. It was for these reasons that our Lord went through the same developmental stages as us. His sex, his eyes, his hair color, his height, his build were all determined at the moment of his miraculous conception in that virgin womb. God's son was smaller at one point than a grain of rice. Jesus' arms and legs were once tiny buds that continued to grow and develop. And during 
the fourth month of his life. God's son was sucking his thumb. And he was yawning and stretching and making faces in Mary's womb. The nervous system was beginning to function just like ours. The reproductive organs and genitalia were fully developed, so they knew for, beyond the fact that, yes, he would be a boy. Thank God that Jesus was not aborted. <laughs> or we would be forever lost in our sin. Our Savior became a fertilized egg. Think of that. God becoming an egg, a fertilized egg. He became a zygote, an embryo, a newborn, a toddler, a tween, a young man, an adult, so that he might save us from our sins, all of them, including the sins related to abortion. In the gospel lesson today, we heard these all-important words. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All sin is forgivable. If you've had an abortion and you're experiencing guilt and shame, then heed John's words. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. If you've been complicit in encouraging someone to have an abortion and now you have regrets, then heed John's words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. If you're indifferent and apathetic to the plight of those facing abortion, then heed John's words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. If you have self-righteous indignation towards those who've had an abortion, then heed John's words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. If you're a grandparent of an aborted child, then heed John's words, or Jesus' words, come to me, and I will give you rest. Yes, we want to listen this morning, and we want to take to heart these promises of our Lord, where he promises, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Maybe some of us weep because of the effects of abortion in our lives. Or maybe we weep because of the effects of abortion on our society and on this world. God promises that joy will come in the morning. For those of us who may be struggling with guilt and shame and regrets, we remember the words of Paul to the Ephesians, in Jesus we have redemption through the blood through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We want to hear again and again the words of Isaiah the prophet who said, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake and I remember your sins no more. That's God speaking to you and me through that prophet Isaiah. I remember your sins no more. And we want to hear those words spoken by Paul to the Roman Christians. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Yes, if we are guilty of sin, and all of us are in some way, in relationship to this issue of abortion, 
then we need to hear these words, don't we? We need to hear that there's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. In fact, we need to hear the words that were spoken at the very beginning of the epistle lesson, grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Did God really say that the sin of abortion and all related sins to it are forgivable? Yes, he forgives. Now, did God really say that we should expose abortion's travesty and speak for the vulnerable? Yes, he did. In Proverbs 31, it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. In Proverbs 24, God says, Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Yes, we who can speak for the unborn need to speak for the unborn. We need to expose abortion's travesty. I mean, just this morning, in preparation for this service, I went online and went to a website called usabortionclock.org, and it counts how many abortions are being done every day. The total just keeps adding up. But since 1973, 61.7 million surgical abortions have happened just in this country alone. 61.7 million. That's surgical abortions. That's not counting the chemically induced abortions that come with the morning after pill and so on and so forth. Around the world, since 1980, 1.5 billion, 1.5 billion unborn children have been aborted. This is a travesty. The life that God has created in the womb is being destroyed. And we need to speak up for the vulnerable. We need to speak up for the unborn child. And that means, first of all, educating ourselves on this matter. And Lutherans for Life, for instance, has a wonderful plethora of resources that we can utilize to learn and understand life in the womb and all that that entails. It also means that we write our congressmen and senators and let them know how we feel about the laws of this land that allow for abortions to take place. And we want to vote according to our conscience. We want to discuss this matter, this issue of abortion, with our family and friends even though we know that it becomes a very volatile subject. But the life of the unborn depends on us who have a voice to speak, for they cannot speak for themselves, except silently scream as they're being aborted. And as we advocate for the unborn child, we also want to ask ourselves this question. Did God really say that we should lovingly care for those facing unwanted pregnancies and then those who are dealing with the aftermath of abortion? And again, the word is yes. We do not want to just be seen as someone or someones who are against something. But we want to recognize that we are for something. And we want to be for those women and men who are struggling with the, with the issue of abortion. We want to be merciful 
even as our Father in heaven is merciful. God says in Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up the wounds. We want to be those people who God works through that brings healing to broken hearts and who binds up the wounds of people that are hurt by abortion. We want to be like Andrew who who ran to Peter and said, we have found the Messiah, let me show you him. We want to be that person who goes to women who are faced with an unwanted an undesired pregnancy and say, we have found the Messiah. We want to go to those women who are experiencing the aftermath of abortion and we want to say, we have found the Messiah and he loves you. He forgives you and he invites you to cast your burdens, your worries, your fears upon him. Truth is, there are many girls, young women, and even older women, who are frightened. They're frightened because they're faced with a pregnancy that they did not plan on. And they are feeling so alone. And there are so many people around them that are encouraging them to consider an abortion. Their boyfriend or their parents might even be saying, we'll drive you to the abortion clinic to get it done. And they're looking They're longing for an alternative, but they don't think there is one. Well, there is one, isn't there? There's us. Those of us who think and believe that life begins at conception want to come alongside these women and men and walk with them through their unwanted pregnancy. We want to help them see there is an alternative to taking the life of their own child. And so we want to do that as individuals. We want to do that as a congregation. We want to do that by supporting organizations in our community that minister to women and men facing that. And we want to minister to those women and men who have the post-abortion experience called the post-abortion syndrome, who maybe many years after they've had the abortion suddenly find that there's a depression overtaking them or that there's, they have difficulty concentrating or begin to get a sense of guilt or grief and sadness. And maybe there's anger that's unexplained, but there's any number of factors that they begin to experience and it can be, sometimes be traced back to the abortions that they had. And they need to hear the healing word of their Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why there's an organization like Word of Hope wordofhope.org that is put together by some fellow Lutherans. You can call their 1-800 number. You can go, there, go online and reach out to them and they'll reach back with the love and care and compassion of Christ. That's especially for those women who are dealing with the post-abortion syndrome. But they'll help anyone. They'll direct you to any kind of resource. That's wordofhope.org. And then right here in our own community, there's a couple different organizations, but one that I'm familiar with is the Grand Rapids Pregnancy Resource Center that provides medical and support services, and they walk alongside women and men who are faced with unwanted pregnancies right from beginning to end, and they try to give and show them that there's an alternative to to abortion. And we can become engaged in in that organization. We can support them with our prayers. We can volunteer our time. We can 
donate items that they need, we can donate money to the cause. These are just some of the things that we can do as we share the love and the compassion of our Lord with people. Did God really say, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by Satan's expert assertions and the popular opinions out there. Don't be deceived by the fear that you might have of bringing up this topic, this tragedy with other people. Don't be duped by arguments related to social conditions and emotional circumstances. Don't buy the lies that life issues are complicated. It's, it's a political matter or that it's a personal decision. Instead, listen to the word of God and obey it. For God's word is very clear. Life begins at conception. God forgives the sin of abortion and all of those sins related to it. We want to expose abortion's travesty and speak for the vulnerable because that's what God desires. And we want to lovingly care for those facing unwanted pregnancies and minister in love with those who are dealing with the aftermath of abortion. God's word is clear. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.